0: faithinkids.org, and find out all the details about growing up.
1: How do I know that I really matter? How do I find my place in the world? Where do I fit in? Do I fit in? Um, What difference does God make to any of this? What do I do when my friends want to do this thing, but I want to do that thing? The story that I opened the book with is there was this kid at my school who came up to me and, and said, Mr. Morphew, I just don't really feel like I know who I am when I'm with one group of friends I act this way when I'm with another group of friends I act that way but like what happens when you take all the people away who am I I'm like that's a good question kid
2: hello this is the faith in parents podcast my name is Ed I'm joined by Amy. Shout hello, Amy. Hello, Ed. Hello. We, uh, we are recording this podcast with the hope and the prayer that we are serving parents as they try to raise their children to know Christ and have those ordinary conversations and live those ordinary lives. And I'm sorry if, you, if it's insulting to say you have an ordinary life, but mine is very <laughs> ordinary. Uh, And when I'm with my children. It's the dream, It's it's the dream. It is. Exactly. (laughs) That's the dream. Uh, We're joined today by Chris. Chris, it's great to have you here. Chris, tell us where you are, who you are and how you are.
1: Um, Well, I'll start with the last one. I'm doing very well. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. So I am in Sydney, Australia. I am a uh, teacher and a school chaplain at a school called the Presbyterian Ladies College here in Sydney. And then on the side, I also write books, which I presume is part of why you've got me on today. So Could um, be. I have written a 100-day devotional guide to the Book of Mark for families called Best News Ever. And I've written a series called The Big Questions, which is aiming to answer big questions that kids have about life and faith and the Bible and God and all that good stuff. Um, and I also wrote some novels back in the day. So hopefully I'll get back into fiction writing again at some point.
3: Your books have got some great questions as as their titles. Um, so anybody who's spent time talking to kids, you get some ridiculous questions um, about what you had for tea and what colour your toothbrush is, and you get some great questions. How did you land on the questions that you that you have landed on? And perhaps tell us. Tell us about the latest one.
1: For all of the, like, bazillions of questions that kids ask, there are, like, 10 or 20 that consistently rise to the top. Like, I put a lot of myself into all of them. So the most recent one is called Who Am I and Why Do I Matter? And it's all about identity. And my goodness, that question – I mean, like, that's a question that has been – asked by human beings for as long as there have been human beings. But I think that in our cultural moment, there is this particular emphasis on finding your identity, discovering your Mm. identity, determining your identity. And those questions, um, particularly as they pertain to like, um, sexual orientation and gender identity and all of these things, those things are more and more in the conversation, and those conversations are filtering down younger and younger and younger. I had a student email me a while back and say, Mr. Morphew, does God hate gay people? And so I emailed back and said, well, no, God doesn't hate gay people. Um, and she was like, okay, because I think I might be gay, and I just wanted to make sure. And then like she kind but. Those like, but this was not like. So
3: actually, the question I had was, Mister Murphy, does God hate me? And, and I that just that differently.
1: And that is always the thing, right? Like, what's the question behind the question? Mm. Um, mm. And like, I I pick that one particular little anecdote out of a sea of conversations, and you know, like at the youth group that I helped to lead, we have. A bunch of kids who identify as um, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and a whole bunch, and, and a bunch of just like I don't know. I'm just trying to figure this stuff out, and so it just felt like some of these questions are. Uh, like kind of perennial questions like what happens when we die is one that people have been asking for hundreds of years and will ask for hundreds Mm, of years but mm. there's something about that question of identity like who am i how do i define myself how should i define myself
3: Mm.
1: like i said it's a it's a question that we all ask at some point but it feels particularly like a question that this generation of kids is asking in a new way and with a lot more volume and a lot more concern and a lot higher stakes in some ways because like you were saying amy like that it boils down to does god hate me and when a generation of kids are asking questions that end up distilling down to does god hate me that feels like we need to have a conversation about that
2: you just mentioned you run a, you help to run a church youth group, and you, you have a mixture of people with various identities. Mm. Could you just just start us? We're trying to focus on this one book with this podcast, which is "Who Am I and Why Do I Matter." M- most of our listeners are Christians, and they're Christian parents. Mm. H- how do Christians approach this topic, which feels very hot at the moment?
1: We didn't set out to become a youth group with a high proportion of lgbt kids in it it is just a a thing that happened god has just been bringing these kids along um and so we've been figuring out how best to love and serve those kids on the fly um and i think the first thing i would say is um if you don't think there are lgbt kids in your youth group you probably just don't know about them I hear frequently from these kids, thank you for being like creating a space where we can feel safe to figure this stuff out. And I think maybe that in the end is the answer or the beginning of an answer to the question like, yes, in my youth group, everyone is welcome because I start with the understanding that God uh, invites everyone to turn around and come back to know him, that um, that Jesus didn't just die for uncomplicatedly heterosexual people, um, but that Jesus came for everyone. And also that, so David Lomas has written this great book called The Truest Thing About You. Um, and I find his framework really helpful because he talks about how there are all of these things that our culture wants us to make our primary thing, and one of those things is our sexual orientation and our gender identity. And he says those things, you know, your experience of those things are your experience of them, but however true those things may be, there's something truer, and that is your identity as someone made in God's image and loved by God. And so we have five core values in our youth group, welcome, faith, community, hope, and transformation. And we put welcome first for a reason, and that is because we really wanted to underscore everyone is welcome here because how else are they going to hear the gospel if they're not welcomed in to hear about it? And so that's the theory. And then the rubber hits the road and it gets real interesting. Um, So, you know, there was a, a moment a while back where I had to really quickly get up to speed on transgender issues because we had a couple of kids in our kind of broader church circles who were identifying as trans and I kind of went, okay, don't panic. What do I do? Just because like that is so far outside my own personal experience. How do I love somebody like that? And so um, I came across this really, really helpful book called Embodied by Preston Sprinkle Um, and I just read that in a weekend, gave it to the rest of my youth leaders and said, let's figure this out. And I guess the thing that I would say to parents, this has been my my very long-winded way of circling back to this. I guess what I would say to parents is, like, don't panic. Mm. This is the world that we live in. There are um, all kinds of people here and Jesus invites all of them to come to know him and so actually as long as we are confident the way of Jesus is the best way to live then we have nothing to fear from other people telling other stories. Amen. Um and I think the way of Jesus is good news for my gay friends, it's good news for my trans friends, it is good news for my uncomplicatedly <laughs> cisgender straight friends too. Um and so I just think if we can do what – if we can remember who Jesus is and then move forward without fear, that to me feels like a good first step.
3: As a parent, there's just so much panic in our hearts because we love our kids, and there's mm. just so much panic in our hearts that uh, we're going to get it wrong and we're going to say something wrong. And so the the temptation is to avoid and to say nothing. Um, and I think probably – the reason your books exist is because we've tended to dodge the tough questions with our kids for fear of not perhaps not handling it well mm. so a lot of the questions about is this all true and what happens when we die and you know those are the great questions that actually if we were being if we we're being sane <laughs> as parents we would want to have with our kids and mm. that we would be praying for opportunities to have with our kids and um, rather than really hoping that they don't come up. Um, so I think, I know with my family, we read the um, Why Do Tough Things Happen? I'm sorry, I can't remember the title, but that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, after Tea. So we read them a chapter at a time, uh, particularly because we were having a tough time as a family. So it was good mm. to be able to say, let's talk about this. Um, And let's talk about this with someone else who's thinking about this with us, Mm. Uh, which levels the playing field a little. So when you're talking to your kids together, we're saying, what's this guy said? What do we all think? Rather Mm. than I'm coming at you with the answers and you have to decide if you agree with me or not. We've now got this voice, this book to say, what do we think about that? What did you like? What didn't you like? And there's a open conversation. And I think if we're not already panicking about the sort of identity questions, uh, then start with some of, some of these questions because those identity questions are coming.
1: To your point about being afraid of getting it wrong, man, we are all going to get it wrong. Yeah. I My experience like with my kids at school, my kids at youth group, I get it wrong all the time. But thankfully, God's grace is really, really big and our kids aren't saved by our capacity to get it right.
3: Yes, absolutely. We need Jesus, don't we? Mm.
2: Chris, could you just fire us out a few issues or questions that, um, that you, you think are coming to us from this age group? We're mainly talking about sort of eight to twelves. Mm. That's the age group your books are written for. Could you just give us some of the identity questions, some of the identity issues that you think our young people are presenting us with?
1: So there is obviously all of the kind of sexuality and gender stuff. So those are questions that are filtering down younger and younger and younger um, just because our society is having that conversation more and more overtly. Um, and I think then there's just things like how do I know that I really matter How do I find my place in the world? Where do I fit in? Do I fit in? Um, What difference does God make to any of this? What do I do when my friends want to do this thing, but I want to do that thing? The story that I opened the book with is there was this kid at my school who came up to me and, and said, Mr. Morphew, I just don't really feel like I know who i am when i'm with one group of friends i act this way when i'm with another group of friends i act that way but like what happens when you take all the people away who am i i'm like that's a good question kid
2: so one way of looking at this is in in past times i do imagine some sort of medieval english village where you might have grown up as the son of the blacksmith and from the age of three you knew you were going to be the next village blacksmith and your surname might have conveniently have been Smith. So, you know, wherever, because you, you were raised in that village and you never left that village, the question of who am I was always very clear. This is my surname. You know my family. You know the job we do. This is the house we live in. We'll never move. I've got no idea if that golden age of identity ever existed. There, there is the Christian framework of identity, which is, we'll, we'll come on to that. I won't blow, blow the ending right now. <laughs> <laughs> but but the, the questions you're asking, I think, come from a culture where those pegs in the ground no longer are as clear as they were. My family may, may be a blended family. So the woman in my house isn't my, my biological mother, but I call her mum. Our culture is saying that we could change our gender. So at a very simple level, am I a boy or am I a girl? Our culture is telling us that who we love actually defines who we are. So... Therefore, being able to say, I am gay, am I gay, feels like an identity question for our young people. And then there is, if I have no friends, do I matter still? And if I screw up every single day, am I worth less? So th- these are the sorts of, this is the sort of ballpark we're in, which is, if I'm not the son of Jack the blacksmith, who am I? Now, Chris, can you just, on these sorts of issues then, mm. how ha- how are we tempted to address them how are we tempted to answer them? Where do where where do you see people, you know, or even amongst your colleagues at school who maybe aren't Christians and parents? How do people tend to come at these?
1: I think the attempt there is to say, look, it's okay to be whoever you are, but I think what that does in reality is leave kids and adults, quite frankly, completely untethered. Like when I was a kid, I was not like the rugby kid or whatever. I was. Like a different kind of boy. And for a while, you know, coming up in the 90s in high school, one of the questions that I had was like, oh, well, like maybe I'm gay. Because in the conversation, being gay, there was like overlap between the kind of stuff I was like, my interests and in stuff, and kind of a stereotypically gay identity. And then I was like, well, But I like the girls, though, so I'm probably not gay. And so I kind of, I ruled it out. And, like, today, I think if I was coming up with this generation, I'd be asking, well, am I really a boy? And, like, that was just never on the table for me when I was growing up, but now it is. And so we have these ever-expanding options. And that's not, by the way, to, to say that no one's experience of gender dysphoria, like, that it's all just socially conditioned or whatever. I don't think that's true, but... I think that um, in an effort to make space at the table for everybody, we're putting all of these questions out there for kids to ask themselves about who they are, and there's nothing really solid to be like, well, at least I'm this, because it's all choose your own adventure. And so what can you do? You can, well, look deep inside your heart and see what's in there, that's a mixed bag, so that feels a bit problematic. Um, you can go and check in with what all of your friends are doing um, and, you know, find out what's normal and what's right and who I should be based on that. I can pursue my identity in a career. I can pursue my identity in some interest or some subculture or whatever, and I think what's painted to us is this very kind of choose-your-own-adventure thing, but I think for a lot of kids it's just like information overload, choice overload, and it feels really paralyzing, and when you go, but but, but who am I really, who am I actually, and the only answer that you get back is, well, whatever you want. Hmm. That doesn't actually help very much, I don't think.
3: Chris I feel I feel a little bit like you might be walking me off a cliff right now. <laughs> so you're right. This is all terrible. <laughs> is there is there some good news? Come on Chris. Walk me back off the cliff. I'm a panicking parent.
1: <laughs> well, thankfully, <laughs> I think there is some good news and I think yes. it is um it will not shock you to uh discover that I think Jesus is the one who's got the good news for us. As I was working through this book, I became fascinated by this one little verse in Psalm 119, where the writer says, I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. And the idea there is, if I'm understanding him correctly, he basically says, I will be free because I let God rule and guide my life. Mm. Which, to our modern world, sounds completely upside down. Because we're told that freedom is freedom from limits, Freedom from like that that guidance and rules and a direction to be pointed in and here's where you should go. Mm. Like, that's the opposite of freedom. But actually, mm. I don't think it is. Like the classic example is like Tim Kelly uses this all the time, like for a fish, freedom is when you stay in the water. If you jump into onto the land and you're a fish, that's a free choice, but it does not lead to freedom. And a fish is most free when it finds its home in the water. And um, I think what Jesus would say to us is we are most free when we find our home in him. Mm. The
2: reason Tim Keller keeps telling that story is because as Christians, we're always moments away (laughs) from working out how we're going to frame the Christian worldview, which says God has made us a certain way to live a certain way. So, for instance, on some of the issues we're saying, we believe as Christians that if we're created boys, we live as boys. That doesn't mean we have to be very good at rugby and have muddy knees all the time. Uh, It it means there is a a Christian sexual ethic. This is the way we are made to relate intimately. We are made to have endless friends. We are made to have churches who support us in an incredibly intimate way marriage is between one man and one woman we're we're always on the edge of laying out a christian way of doing it and that story of the fish is trying to deal with but you sit the christian story seems to be adding endless constraints but actually that verse in the psalms is saying actually those constraints are loving constraints it's mm-hmm. like a football mm-hmm. game without any touchlines it's very hard to play a game if you've got no limit on the game but if you if you place a limit the game becomes much more clear to everyone how do we play. The rules make it simpler.
1: And I think it comes down to trust, you know. Like once you put your trust in Jesus, I think a a large part of what that means is believing that he knows better than us, that Mm -hmm. he actually knows the best way for us to live and that there is a best way for us to live, you know, because if there's no God, it is just a free-for-all we've got no meaning except the meaning that we construct for ourselves and if human beings aren't for anything if we weren't created on purpose and for a purpose then that then all we have left is to to make it up but if there is a god who loves us and who made us for a purpose then then just like with the fish we're going to find our freedom and joy in living into that reality not trying to redefine reality for ourselves
3: i was talking to my uh 13 year old son the other day and we were discussing they've been chatting about a lot of the identity questions in school and coming out from a perspective of trying to understand people who whose experience are possibly different from your own and Widening horizons. And uh, my son just came home and said, Mom, it's so hard. There's so many different things, and there's so many stuff to consider, and who you think you are, and who you think you might like. And I find it hard enough to just know what to wear. That there was that beautiful moment to be able to say, mm. Isn't it good that God wants to help us and He wants to tell us how to live? And we can trust Him because He is good. That, you know, it's not as simple as that. And of course there'll be more conversations, but there's just that moment of, oh, thank goodness. You love me and you tell me what you tell me what's true. And I can trust you. That's like, oh, thank goodness. Mm. There are there are there are boundaries set by our creator who loves us and they're good.
2: Chris, can you um could you just give us some principles for for navigating those moments of panic? So, for instance, you, you've clearly read some books and just decided, our youth group, you know, we, we're, we're going to welcome people, whoever they are. Brilliant. If you were talking to a new youth leader who was who was just totally new and honestly thought we didn't have any gay people in church, or if you're talking to Amy about... You know, those the first five seconds of the conversation with your daughter who says, I think I've been told today I should be a boy. Could you just give us su- some principles for navigating these first five minutes and maybe the next two years?
1: If we go in hard and try and shut the conversation down, if we panic and say, Oh, no, you're not, or Oh, that's not like we don't believe that, or whatever. That doesn't take the question away in the mind of the child. That just pushes it underground. And instead Mm. of coming to you for help and guidance on that, they're going to find someone who will have the conversation. Mm. I guess the, the first thing I would say is, like, be open to have the conversation. Hear them out. Be willing to accept that their experience really is their experience. You know, and so if I'm at youth group and someone comes out to me as trans and says look I think I'm a girl I think I'm a boy that's not the body that I'm in but that is what I feel like I am I want to walk a careful line and say I believe that that's what you're experiencing I don't think that you are making that up to get attention like let's let them see I put this out there and they didn't reject me there is room in the kingdom for me too I think we need to articulate that, look, we live in a diverse world where there are all kinds of people living all kinds of ways with all kinds of understandings of how the world works and what the good life is. And we don't need to be afraid of that. If we truly believe that the way of Jesus is the best way to live, then we can have our sons trans friend over for a play date and not stress out about it. We can um you know invite the gay couple from around the corner over for dinner and we can welcome them in as i think jesus would and we can love them where they are and we cannot be afraid that that's going to like be detrimental for our kids but instead let our friends who don't know jesus experience something of the love of jesus through us and let our kids see us modeling that falteringly and messing it up there was one night where at youth group this group came in and i was like i'll, just, I'll split the kids up girls and boys that's the two teams and one of the kids was like "Ah, oh, i'm not really comfortable with that and it and that was the night that um one of her friends came out to me as trans and i was like well this is not the best i've ever done at at showing understanding we're gonna mess it up in terms of the way we try and love the people in front of us, whoever God puts in front of us. And we're going to mess it up in the way that we articulate this stuff to our kids. But the grace of Jesus is so much bigger than our mistakes. Mm. And so um, to kind of tie it all together, I would say keep on sharing the truth about who God is. Keep on modeling that to the kids in your life, however imperfectly Mm. and showing that there are no questions that are too hot button to actually ask In my quiet times over the last several days, I've been noticing this repeated theme, which is love one another, live as best you can in the way of Jesus, and then trust that that is going to be what the next generation needs to see and hear and what a hurting world needs to see and hear. Mm -hmm. Jesus is in control of this situation. He will guide us through it. When we mess up. We can come to him and ask for his forgiveness and he'll give it. And we don't need to panic that we're ruining our kids by exposing them to the reality of the world. Um, What we're actually doing is, you know, falteringly and stumblingly showing them that actually the Christian worldview holds up no matter how complex life gets.
3: I think, Chris, as a Christian parent, we want to open up the conversation. Um, We want to be gracious in our welcome. Mm Mm-hmm um and our responses and we want to try and f- follow up the conversation with the next question or the deeper question or the you know the how is the what is the the good story that the bible has to tell here i think um i think it's hard to then consider what is what's the different approach that you would give between having that conversation with a christian child and with a non-christian child um so if you know your own kids who are perhaps saying i don't know if i believe all of this mm. can you give us some help there
1: so i think our approach at youth group and my approach at school as well is to just not make to make jesus the main thing to make the gospel the main thing and not worry about like lifestyle stuff or orientation stuff or gender stuff or any of that stuff. Don't let that be an obstacle to. So if a kid asks me, "Well, what is the what does Jesus think about this?" I'll tell them, but I will I will major on the love and grace of Jesus is open to everyone nothing about how you identify or how you experience the world precludes you from being welcomed. And so for a non-christian for someone who doesn't yet know jesus it is welcome 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 not hiding anything that the bible teaches like i don't want it to be like surprise now that you're a christian here's what i didn't tell you <laughs> um now that you're a christian you've got a go clean up your act or whatever, because I don't think that's exactly how it works. Um, But it is saying, look, once you become a follower of Jesus, then he's going to get into all your business about everything. Your sexuality, your gender identity is just one of the many ways that God is going to get in there and turn your world upside down for your good and his glory. Come to him and, and we'll have those conversations down the track. And then... For a kid who is a follower of Jesus, or a kid who is uh, like who like your your son or daughter who is figuring out whether they want to follow Jesus for themselves, I would give them plenty of space to ask the questions to say, "But what about this, but what about this, but what about mm-hmm. this?" don't see that as a threat to their faith. I think doubt is the distance between where we are now and where God wants to take us. And so I would say get informed and then get into the Bible and figure out what Jesus is saying and and as best you can as the conversations arise bring the gospel to bear on whatever the questions are. And so I think in the end it's about getting out of the way and trusting that Jesus really is on the throne, that whatever big questions your kids have, it is not your capacity to answer well that is going to make all the difference. That's helpful, so get educated and figure it out. But You ain't doing the saving. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: Chris, we, in our conversations with parents, what, the given is that you find parents who love their children so, mm. therefore, when, when a child says one of these questions, to be talking about identity is never a theoretical idea. Mm. So, children do not present identity as, Dad, I've just been philosophically weighing up some of the issues we're <laughs> facing in our culture. It's 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 always, I have no friends. It's, mm. I, 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 I don't feel, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm loved.
3: I don't I, feel like I belong.
2: I don't feel like I belong. So when we're dealing with identity, I think we are always pressing into the hearts of children and parents. So the given is we love our children and our hearts break when we frequently hear these questions. The other given is we love Jesus. Parents and children who are tackling this usually are thinking, I bet Jesus has an answer. I bet I bet he's a better way. I bet mm. I bet the gospel offers us enough grace to be getting along with i think what we find is the difficulty is counting to 5 <laughs> taking a deep breath praying a prayer and then either in that moment or probably later finding out what is it of the gospel that we can we can use to navigate through this what what are the, what is a great question to ask and what is a great verse to open? What is a great part of Jesus Christ to show them? I think that that is the difficulty frequently is uh and, and I, I love what you've been saying about, for instance, a very welcoming youth group. Is that is the equivalent of counting to five? We're not gonna panic. We are gonna open our doors wide, and anyone is welcome because Jesus opened his doors wide. In mm. fact, he did he walked into their doors wide. Mm. Is, is we're going to take the approach Jesus took, which is anyone is welcome at my table. We're going to count to five. We're not going to panic, but we are going to search for a way to navigate through the presenting issue to know we will understand more of Christ and we will grow through the tears, the confusion, the anger, and the frustration. Is that I, I think that's what we believe, is that mm. through the hardest questions usually comes the greatest benefit the greatest love and the greatest understanding.
3: I think it's always helpful to um, to then with your kids. I think, you know, we all want to do the calm response, but we, we don't always. And it's fine to go back uh, perhaps later on, 20 minutes later and say, listen, I didn't think I handled that well. Uh, you know how much I love you. You know how much all of this matters to me. All the crazy people in my head are just screaming because I want to get it right. So let's just take a minute. Can we do that again? Thank you for talking to me. Um, and always, I'm always, you know, Luke's gospel, Jesus just, you know, when that's, what do we talk about? How, how can I how can I open the Bible about any of these issues? Um, where are their tears? Where are their tears in the Bible go there? Um, where is Jesus just being Jesus go there? You know, Luke's gospel, the way he any any of his interactions with people. Let's just talk about that. That that's going to help us see him better, which might help us deal with this better. Even just that kind of messy conversation that you walk away thinking, I'm not even sure if that helped. But you know, we uh, we talked about it again, and we talked about Jesus, and I prayed for you. I can trust Him with the rest.
1: Mm. Early on in my chaplaincy career. It was parent teacher night and this mum came up to me and she was like, Chris, I need to tell you the moment that you gained my daughter's respect. And like her daughter was in in year five at the time, so like 10 years old. This is not the way parent teacher interviews usually go. But I was like, all right, lay it on me. (laughs) And she was like, so, you know how my daughter is always asking questions? Well, the other week she asked you a question and you said oh, I actually don't know. That's a really great question. Can you let me go away and do some homework and I'll come back and and we can see if we can figure out an answer together. And she said, and then you did it. You came back the next week and you had actually done it. And that was the moment you gained my daughter's respect because every I don't know adds power to the times when you say, but I do know this. You let the kids in your world know you're not just in the business of making up answers that when you don't know, you'll actually admit it. And what I think that does is when the times you say, but I do know this, I do know Jesus loves you. I do know he's for you. I do know that he has wisdom for this situation, even if I don't know what it is yet. And let's step forward together and figure this complicated thing out. I think there's real power in that. Chris, thank you very much.
2: Christ has some
1: answers. We usually don't. (laughs) Now, Chris, what are you working
2: on at the moment? Tell us the book you're working on now.
1: I currently owe The Good Book Company three more in this big question series. Um, The one I'm working on now is uh, how can I feel closer to God? So I've written kind of the head book, which is how do we know that Christianity is really true? And this is kind of the experiential, like if God is real, why doesn't he feel real? And then... I've got, I really want to do one about friendship, about how to be a good friend, and then another one about how do we know what's right and wrong. So they are coming eventually. And to Rachel, my editor, if you're listening to this, I promise I'm, I'm working on them. I'm, I'm sorry I'm late.
2: <laughs> Chris, do you think you could finish just by praying for us as we navigate these big questions?
1: Absolutely. Our great God, thank you that the way of Jesus really, truly is the best possible way to live. Thank you that in the scriptures, you give us solid foundations and principles and ways to live, um, not to impede our freedom, but to guide us into true freedom. Um, In a world that offers us and our children so many things, so many paths, so many options that look like freedom. Please help us to discern well where you are calling us to go. Please help us to love every single person that we come across. Thank you that your grace is big enough to save us and it's big enough to save anyone else who will turn and and put their hope in Jesus. So I pray for... All of the parents who are listening to this, who are maybe worried about not having all the answers, I pray that you would comfort them with the fact that um, you have all the answers, that you are the answer, um, and that you would guide them in all wisdom as they have those daily conversations with their children, that you would embolden them, that you would enable them to, to live without fear, knowing that it's not all up to them, that Uh, you are on the throne and that we can trust you with all of our biggest questions in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
2: Chris, thank you very much for that. Uh, We are working on a huge package of resources. It feels huge to us. Uh, We're going to call the package. Who am I? Uh, There are going to be podcasts coming out over the summer and the first resources we hope will be available to download in September. Uh, so Chris this is this has been an, an excellent conversation when I saw the title of this particular book who am I and why do I matter I knew I wanted to talk to you and uh, we've not been disappointed Chris thanks very much for writing this book and uh, I, I kind of want to say the particular voice you have is that you've listened carefully to children and young people uh, so that's why your books are so helpful is that they come from a place of love and care rather than just right answers Thank oh, you Christopher. Thank Chris, you so much. We look forward to talking to you again and uh we want to say thank you and goodbye. Bye bye.
1: See you bye. later.